Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Sennett. I'm a master's qualified digital marketer. Together, we're going to up-level your marketing game. My aim for the Marketing Mindset Club is to give you clarity on how to create and communicate value, learn the latest marketing techniques, build your skill set, and develop the confidence you need to get the results you want. Hello, Marketing Mindset Club crew. How are you doing today? We are in season one, episode seven, if you can believe it, which means we're almost coming to the end of this season. I have absolutely loved reading the reviews you guys have left so far, so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for those. It's really helped me direct the content of these episodes, and I really want to continue in that way. So, If there are any bits you've particularly liked in the series so far or any topics you'd like me to review, please do send a DM on Instagram at Marketing Mindset Club. The creation of this club and the podcast has been something that I've had in my heart for some time but didn't really know how to deliver. And this season has been a bit of a testing ground to find out what works and what doesn't in terms of the content. So I can't say this enough, but I really do value your feedback. And it's not over yet. You know, part of what it means to have a marketing mindset is to be open to change and to continually evolve in order to deliver the best value. And that's what I intend to do for season two. So next week's episode will finish up season one, but don't worry, there is plenty more good stuff to come and you have a key role to play. So the questions I would love you to get in touch with, the answers to are, what challenges can I help you solve? How can I help you develop your mindset towards a place of growth, positivity and success, whatever success looks like for you? And how can I help you get to where you want to get to? It continues to be a very challenging time for marketers everywhere and it continues to be a very challenging time for marketers everywhere and it absolutely breaks my heart every day I see more posts on LinkedIn from people who are experiencing redundancy right now. But I also read something very important this morning. You have to remember it's the role that has been made redundant. You are no less competent than you were yesterday, no less deserving of that role and no less brilliant at fulfilling it. It's really important that you separate those feelings of doubt, inadequacy and any imposter syndrome you have from your search for whatever the next step is. I always believe there are brighter things ahead and you can cultivate them with a positive, abundant mindset. And that's what I'm here to help you with. So if you're new here, welcome to the club. Grab a seat. This is how it's going to go. Each episode is split into three bits. The digital news bit and what matters about the top stories. The learning bit where I'll deep dive on a tool, technique or strategy that you can use. And the real life lessons bit where we'll talk about stuff from day to day life as a marketer. So let's get going. In the digital news bit this week, Web spam, phishing and scammers, unfortunately something we have to live with in life online. But this week we saw something weird and worrying. The Twitter accounts of several high profile individuals, including Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Barack Obama, were compromised in a massive Bitcoin scam. Now, the attack targeted an estimated 130 accounts and the hackers were able to gain access to a bunch of them in order to post a Bitcoin wallet address that encouraged followers to send Bitcoin. 
I saw a tweet on Elon Musk's account that said he would double any Bitcoin payment sent for the next 30 minutes. So I can only assume that other similar messages were posted on the other accounts. I'll post a link in the show notes to the full story covered in The Verge. But the reason this caught my eye is that it's odd for such high profile accounts to be targeted. And it turns out that Twitter thinks their internal systems were compromised in the hack and it targeted some of their employees. So they reckon the scammer amassed about $120,000 before these tweets were taken down. And I didn't know this, but apparently Bitcoin transactions are public. So you can go and look at the wallet ID and see what's been happening there, which is very odd. And I fully admit I don't understand Bitcoin yet, but I'm sure I'll get there at some point. The BBC also covered the story and this quote caught my eye. It's from Dr. Alexi Drew from King's College in London. If you were to have this kind of incident take place in the middle of a crisis where Twitter was being used to either communicate de-escalatory language or critical information to the public and suddenly it's putting out the wrong messages from several verified status accounts, that could be seriously destabilising. And that caught my eye because I thought, I wonder what changes in comms through Twitter we'll see in the future as a result of this. The platform has temporarily disabled all users from tweeting Bitcoin wallet addresses, but will it remove all future requests for money? In which case, where does that leave charities and fundraisers who tweet valid links to platforms like Just Giving in order to raise funds for legitimate causes? And what about any brands or organisations that rely on Twitter for quick, up-to-date comms with their audience? And as Dr Drew stated, the dissemination of critical information, especially from verified accounts that usually you would think you can trust. It raises a lot of questions. The next story that caught my eye is about Wimbledon. Last weekend would have been the finals, but this weekend the courts were silent due to COVID-19. Wimbledon Fortnite generates an estimated 75 to 80% of the All England Lawn Tennis Club's annual revenue. So this year could put a big dent in their figures much the same as any business that relies on in-person events as a core revenue driver. But they have been incredibly inventive in order to drive engagement and build a sense of nostalgia for all that Wimbledon means to its fans. They partnered up with an outdoor media company to show highlights of past championship final games on screens in Piccadilly and Westfield shopping centres. They devised a fan engagement campaign called Wimbledon Recreated to drive online activity on social media. The BBC also aired over 50 hours of footage from past championships over the fortnight to help build that sense of nostalgia. They also launched a brand new e-commerce platform to shift the merchandise that was already made and warehoused and ready to go. And to support that, they've hired into their e-commerce team to make sure they've got the right in-house skills to keep driving this forward. Now, what's curious about this year, it's the first championship to be called off since World War II. And they've got all this dated merchandise that now needs to be sold. And it seems that fans have been clamouring to get their hands on it. They've seen a 200% uplift since March. And I'll link to the piece in Essential Retail that gives a rundown of the whole approach. But I think it's a really great example of how an engaged and loyal fan base can rally around and support a business when it really counts. People didn't just buy the products because they felt sorry for the organisation. It's about making sure that something that's treasured and important is still there for next year. 
Wimbledon has delivered so many emotional moments, connections between family and friends, encouragement to every budding young tennis pro, and these things are not easily replaced. And this is true value creation. Did you also know this week was World Emoji Day? No, me neither. Until I saw there were new emojis coming our way, which made me very excited. Is there anyone who hasn't used an emoji? Well, yes, apparently, but only 8% of people. So, to celebrate World Emoji Day 2020, Facebook Messenger has released a new set of animated emojis, um, whereas Google has taken a slightly different route and added more diversity to the Android set, which is coming out in autumn. There is an absolutely perfect one for me in there, a teapot, because the cup of coffee that currently exists just doesn't cut it. But there's also an anatomical looking heart in the collection, and I have no idea what that's going to end up being used for. There's also going to be a permanent emoji bar in Android Messages, which as an iPhone user, Apple could really do with adding. So in Android Messages, you'll have a permanent bar of your most frequently used emojis. Apple have uh, stickers permanently accessible from iMessage, but it's still not the easiest user experience to get to your emojis. But Apple haven't disappointed in the changes that they're making. There are going to be face coverings and headgear, including hijabs, coming to their Memoji collection in iOS 14, which is expected to be released between the 14th and 18th of September this year. You can read more about the changing collections on socialmediatoday.com and I will post a link in the show notes on marketingmindset.club. Moving on to the learning bit, today I want to talk about reviews. The how, why, where and when to get reviews and testimonials. And I'm talking about Google stars, comments, video reviews or customer feedback in any other format that's available in a public space. Whether you use a review host like Trustpilot or a website plugin like WooCommerce in WordPress, let's start by thinking separately to the mechanics of it and start with the why. Why should we care about feedback? We're curious creatures, we humans, and we're more likely to copy others when we're not sure what action to take ourselves. We see the results someone else has achieved and we copy them to try and replicate the results. And that principle is called social proof. The phrase was originally coined by Robert Cialdini in his 1984 book called Influence, and it describes the psychological phenomenon where humans will copy behaviours of another in order to replicate the results in any given situation. It's a type of conformity which leads me to the second reason why we should care, and that's about tribe or herd mentality. As social beings, we've evolved to have contact with other humans in small groups and we're influenced by our peers to adopt certain behaviours. Our emotional brain takes over the rational one because of the need to fit in and how powerful that can be. So when we read reviews of the successes of our peers, we want to get in on that action. There's also the power of community when it comes to reviews. As we discussed in episode six of this season, community has once again become essential for our collective existence. Supporting local businesses has been reignited by COVID-19 and a survey I talked about in that episode said that 80% of those who shopped locally during the pandemic would continue to do so after this is all over. So leaving reviews and testimonials for local businesses helps us elevate our own standing within the community. 
According to a Trustpilot customer report, there are three reasons why customers think they leave reviews. To help others make a better buying decision, to share an experience, to reward a company for good performance. And you can see there's a strong sense of community coming through in all those areas. Now we know why reviews are so important, let's talk about how we incorporate getting them into our marketing communication activities. Customers are more inclined to write a review when they've had an experience that struck an emotional chord, for better or worse, and that time happens after the moment of purchase or service delivery, and that's when we start to experience the product. If you go back to episode 6 of this season, we talk about the customer decision-making model. It's a framework for understanding the customer journey and the phases that customers go through. That post-purchase experience is the time to nudge customers to leave reviews. Those customers who have had an overwhelmingly positive or negative experience will be highly motivated to seek out places where they can leave a review. You should have a plan in place to monitor your social channels, business listings, especially Google My Business, and website comments, if you have them, for incoming reviews and feedback. Proactive reviewers will need no prompting to get involved, so you should have a strategy for a quick and effective response. This is when it's really important that your team know how to respond openly to reviews and also resolve problems in an open forum where possible. But review management is a whole other topic of discussion, but suffice to say that it forms part of the social proof requirement for potential customers to see how the business resolves issues when a negative review is left. Whoever is delivering that online customer service needs to be empowered to deliver solutions that are timely and relevant for the customer. A one-size-fits-all approach rarely works and doesn't serve the customer needs. So, assuming we've got the proactive reviewers covered by good customer service principles and empowering the team to engage with each person, we can think about those passive customers who may still be encouraged to leave a review but aren't in that proactive group. Fast, enjoyable or effective service alone aren't usually enough to provoke an unsolicited review, but they are enough for a customer to leave a favourable comment if prompted or incentivized. So you'll need a con strategy to prompt that review, which means there are some factors to consider. And the top three are timing, channel and personalisation. When it comes to timing, you as the marketer need to make the judgment call on how much time a customer needs to decide how they feel about your product. Do you sell something that's used or experienced immediately, like a gift, pet food or clothing where a customer may be inclined to leave a review pretty soon after receiving the product? Or do you sell something like cars, insurance or consumer electronics, which may require some time on the part of the consumer to use the product, familiarise themselves with it before they feel confident to leave a review? Service providers may also need a different approach as the customer will develop their opinion over time as they use the service, which means the optimum time will vary for everyone. The channel you use is closely linked with the personalisation challenge. In order for the communication to be effective in prompting a review, the personalisation has to be on point. You need to speak to the customer specifically about their purchase, their experience, using their preferred communication method, name, title and any appropriate personal information. So this relies on some technology in the background, probably driven by your CRM system or e-commerce software. 
If you're not familiar with CRM, it means customer relationship management. And you can go back over episode five of this season where we talked about it in a bit more detail. So let's get into some practical examples of how you can drive more reviews and hopefully grow your business. The first is emails, the most common way to follow up after a purchase. It's easy to deliver personalization through email because you can create a communication that will merge individual data such as product purchased, date, first name, last name, title, etc. I've used MailChimp for this most recently and it conveniently hooks up with Salesforce. So if you have your customer data in Salesforce, you can set up some really simple triggers that will push out review request emails to customers at the timings you decide, complete with their personalized content about their individual experience. You should have a clear call to action in that email that links to the place where you're trying to gather the reviews. This will depend on your strategy. If you're trying to improve your local search exposure, you may want to direct them to your Google My Business listing. If you're trying to build your website trust signals, you may want to use a third-party provider like FIFO or Trustpilot. If you don't have your CRM system hooked up to an email provider or for some reason that connection doesn't work, simply take as much information out of the CRM as you can, put it into something like MailChimp and it will merge upon send. It's just an added manual process for you to get the data into the email provider. The second channel to think about is social media. You should already be engaging with anyone who comments, shares or likes anything on your social profiles and you can solicit reviews through these channels. If you do, be sure to ask permission to use their comments in your marketing. It's not strictly needed because they've already shared it in a public space, but it's good practice to do so and it also helps build your relationship with them as a customer who will hopefully be with you for some time. The third point to mention is incentives. So it's pretty common to see businesses offering incentives for reviews. You quite often see the call to action, leave a review to be in the draw or get X percent discount off your next order or get a free white paper report when you leave a review. And that's all fine, but be careful you don't cross the line into buying reviews. Reviews should always be genuine and as unbiased as possible, which means free from the influence of the business receiving it. Fake reviews or purchased reviews are not only bad for business, it's probably illegal where you are. In the UK, it's definitely illegal. And in 2016, the Competition and Markets Authority took action against a marketing agency that was creating fake reviews in order to game Google. It may also constitute unfair trading and could land you in some serious hot water. So don't buy all fake reviews. On to the real life lessons bit. And this isn't about marketing results today. This is about self-care as a marketer and as a human being. Everyone is fighting a battle of some kind and the circumstances you find yourself in right now might be making that battle even harder. Are you taking on more work because your team has got smaller? Is the business under threat so you're pulling out all the stops and working all the hours? Or does it take just every single drop of energy you have just to keep doing what you're doing every day? Whatever it is you're battling, I know it's no small feat and I want to help make the journey easier however I can. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I think it's important to be real. And burnout is something that's been on my mind a great deal recently. 
and to be open and honest with you, I find the challenges of my day-to-day reality right now and the scale of the challenges we face as a business and then the scale of the challenges we face as a global community really hard to comprehend and rationalise if that is even how I should be approaching it. But I know remaining open and receptive to change is so important, yet it seems like the pillar of every single pillar of life is changing right now and it feels that everything has got some uncertainty to it and that's incredibly hard to manage when it's as consistent as it is right now. And it led me to think that I'm starting to feel a bit like I'm in Groundhog Day. If it's not a film you're familiar with, you should totally go and watch it because it perfectly describes the here and now of our pandemic reality. But it also carries a really pertinent message that when you stop focusing on yourself and focus on how you can help others, you can break the cycle. And while I wholeheartedly agree with that philosophy, and after all, that's the whole ethos of this club, I also believe you can't pour from an empty cup. If you're not taking care of yourself and doing the things that give you energy and give you life, how can you serve those around you? So my real life lesson for you today is make sure you're including yourself at the top of every list you write, all the time you plan and where you keep your priorities. You are so powerful and I firmly believe you can create the results you want to see but not if you're suffering from burnout. So for anyone who wants to join me on a journey to put some energy back in, to refill the cup and to readdress the priorities, I have a challenge for us. So for the month of August, I am committing to doing the following. Getting at least eight hours of sleep every night, turning off all screens an hour before bed, drinking two litres of water every day, having at least one social media free day a week, walking or running for at least 30 minutes a day, writing down three things I'm grateful for each day and to start daily journaling. And I don't know what that looks like, I've never done it, but the reason that I've picked this list is it's a collection of activities that I've seen shared many, many times in the self-care space. And by no means is it an exhaustive list of how to take care of yourself, but I can confidently say I rarely do more than one of these in any one day. And I know I need to shift my energy and I need to protect myself from burnout, so this is where I plan to start. I'm going to vlog throughout the month and you can keep up with that on Instagram, at Marketing Mindset Club. But what's really going to make this challenge successful for me and for you is if we do it together and we learn from this together. So. If you're going to do this with me, please let me know. Share your profile with me. Let me know where you'll be posting about it because I'm really keen to learn from you too. So I really hope you'll join me doing that because I'm interested to see how it affects my energy and how it changes my outlook. And hopefully it will all be for the best. And I'm really excited to see what I can learn from it. And that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for being part of the Marketing Mindset Club. I'm so glad you tuned in and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you to everyone who has left a review so far. I can't tell you how appreciated you are and how thankful I am for your support. If you haven't yet subscribed or left a review, please consider doing so if you're getting value from the show because it really helps me out and it helps me grow this club and helps me reach more people. 
As I said at the beginning, I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, and topics you'd like me to cover in the future. So DM me on the Instagram and I'll see you next time.